Lord, I thank you so much for this morning. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity for us to meet together. Lord, I thank you so much for your story in the book of Acts, uh, for the story of your kingdom and your mission. And Lord, I thank you for our part in that. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, bless this morning, that this would be your words and your truth and not mine. And Lord, just to you be the glory. And Lord, I love you and I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Uh, like Joel said, if uh, you're not normally here with us, good morning, welcome. My name's Tim Hardy. I'm part of the staff here at the Gospel Tab, and I have the honor of closing out, wrapping up our long series on the Book of Acts. And this is exciting to me because... I believe that endings are really important. Endings are important because they're like the greatest hits of everything that's come before. It's, it's like this, it, a good ending underscores everything that the story is all about and hits the point home with this ringing out idea that you can take with you. So view this sermon kind of like the Avengers Endgame of the Book of Acts. <laughs> or, or, or maybe the Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, but hopefully better than... Uh, ne never mind. Um, anyways, <laughs> before, we, before we jump in, uh, a little bit of context for those of you just tuning in or who have just forgotten. So where we're picking up here... Paul is in chains on trial as a result of the Jewish religious oppression that he's been facing and the opposition he's been facing. He's on his way to Rome to stand trial, and this journey of his has itself been a bit of a trial. He has been shipwrecked, and he's been bitten by a snake. Now, finally, where we jump in, he is approaching the end of the journey. So I'm going to read now from Acts chapter 8, 28, starting with verse 11, and it will be here on the screen. After three months, we set sail in an Alexandrian ship. Oh, by the way, um, I didn't mention this. Uh, if you don't know, uh, this was, book was written by Luke, who was there on this journey with Paul. So this like, account here is from the perspective of someone, Luke, who was there with Paul. After three months, we set sail in an Alexandrian ship that had wintered at the island with the twin gods as its figurehead. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed three days. From there, after making a circuit along the coast, we reached Regium. After one day, a south wind sprang up. In the second day, we came to Puteoli. Sure. There, we found brothers and sisters and were invited to stay a week with them. And so we came to Rome. Now the brothers and sisters from there had heard the news about us and had come to meet us as far as the forum of Appius in the three taverns. When Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. When we entered Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with the soldier who guarded him. After three days, he called together the leaders of the Jews. When they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our ancestors, 
I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. After they examined me, they wanted to release me, since there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. Because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, even though I had no charge to bring against my people. For this reason, I have asked to see you and speak to you. In fact, it is for the hope of Israel that I'm wearing this chain. Then they said to him, we haven't received any letters about you from Judea. None of the brothers has come and reported or spoken anything evil about you. But we want to hear what your views are, since we know that people everywhere are speaking against this sect. After arranging a day with him, many came to him at his lodging. From dawn to dusk, he expounded and testified about the kingdom of God. He tried to persuade them about Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets. Some were persuaded by what he said, but others did not believe. Disagreeing amongst themselves, they began to leave after Paul made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your ancestors through the prophet of Isaiah when he said, go to these people and say, you will always be listening, but never understanding. You will always be looking, but never perceiving. For the hearts of these people have grown callous, their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. Paul stayed two whole years in his own rented house, and he welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So there's an intimidating amount of stuff in here. Uh, how can, like, I could, you could probably give an over an hour long, like, lecture on all the implications in here and still not cover everything, so... How can I summarize these 21 verses, and by extension, all of Acts? Well, I think the answer, the summary, the main point, is here in like these last couple words, in this final thought, without hindrance. I think this is where we can find the main point. It is my belief from studying this that the main point is that the gospel of Jesus cannot be stopped. All right, amen, see ya. <laughs> uh, all right, let's, let's get a little specific and flesh this out a little bit with a few examples that you can find here in this. Um, the, the first point uh, in this that I see in the gospel of Jesus not being able to be stopped is the gospel can't be stopped by worldly culture. We see this here at the beginning of this passage, though, if you're not a history nerd, it might like just go over your head. They, he set sail, they set sail in this ship that they found that was, had, ornament, had an ornament on it, a design representing the twin gods. These twin gods were these Roman demigods, Castor and Pollux. Uh, they were believed to be the sons of Jupiter. Uh, like the Gemini constellation, like if you know like the astrological sign Gemini, this is named after these two gods, Castor and Pollux. 
the Romans believed that these demigods were up there in the heavens watching over sailors and protecting them from the storms out at sea. So think about this for a second. They had just shipwrecked. They had crashed. They found the ship. They were making the rest of the way to Rome. And here they were sailing under what looked like pagan protection. To those on the outside, it would have looked like, all right, Castor and Pollux, these pagan deities, these false gods are the ones watching over them and making the rest of their trip safe. Uh, so the, the Roman pagan worldly culture was threatening to steal the credit from God and pretend that God wasn't doing it, to say that they were uh, protecting him. We don't have recorded Paul's response to this, but what we do see is that these pagan ornaments did not keep God from showing up. On their trip along the way, they ended up being able to spend a week in Puteoli with fellow Christians, fellow believers. And then when they finally got to Rome, Paul was able to speak about the gospel openly. So to those on the outside, they might have viewed this as the pagan culture providing for Paul and, and Luke and the rest of them. But ultimately, God had the final word in this. Uh, like even the guard there who was there from Rome and all that, like they all would have had these experiences with these Christians and heard about Jesus Christ and heard that it's Jesus, not Castor and not Pollux, who had provided for them. This is unsurprising to me because this theme is earlier in the book. Uh, Paul, when he went to Athens, found this altar pointing to an unknown God, this pagan altar, and he was able to walk up to that and find how that altar to an unknown God actually pointed to Jesus. Uh, so basically, Paul and his crew were able to walk in this pagan worldly culture and be unaffected by it and just find Jesus and point to Jesus and all of that. Um, which is beautiful to me because it's the sign that they didn't have to worry about and we don't have to worry about the worldly culture. The worldly culture can't stop the gospel of Jesus. I see a lot of my fellow believers get really caught up sometimes in these debates and thoughts about what's going on out in the world and obsessing over American culture and this and that. And that's not inherently a bad thing. We need to know what's going on in the world and engage it with the truth of Christ. Like, we need to know what's going on. We can't plug our ears. But we can't engage this in this power-hungry, uh, power-obsessed, um, putting our identity in these, like, culture wars to be like, oh, what's going on? Like, who's going to win the culture? Jesus, in my opinion, is unimpressed with all of that noise. Like, God has the final word. Regardless of the dominant culture, Jesus is on the throne. The gospel can't be stopped by this, that, and the other thing. God cares. God cares about his truth being declared. He cares about us taking the gospel and inserting it into culture to undermine evil and set things right. But he's, he's not scared of it. He's not scared of how that's going to turn out because he's on the throne. So we see that the gospel of Jesus cannot be stopped by worldly culture. 
the gospel also can't be stopped by religious culture. This is probably the most self-evident point in here. It takes up the bulk of this passage. This whole ordeal to begin with was started because of the Jewish religious oppression, opposition against Paul. Like, this is why all of this is happening. Like, Paul has to deal with this clunky religious mess. But notice that in the story and elsewhere, dead religion has no power over the gospel of Jesus. Instead, every time when opposition comes up, the gospel just ends up spreading like wildfire. Think back earlier in the book of Acts when Paul himself was one of the oppressors, whenever he and the other Jewish leaders persecuted the church earlier in the book. This opposition caused the church to disperse, to flee throughout Judea and Samaria to protect themselves. And they took the gospel with them. This opposition could not stop the gospel. It was the very thing that spread the gospel and made it more prevalent everywhere. Take it to more people. And now Paul, having had his road to Damascus moment, following Jesus, and now he himself facing the Jewish religious opposition, he himself is now in chains in Rome, and the gospel came with him. He is now sharing Jesus to people who would have been inaccessible to him had the religious system of the day not pushed them to the margins. It, and it tried to push it out to shut up the gospel, to shut, shut up the truth, to preserve its own dead religious structures. But all it did was push the gospel further to help it in its mission to reach the ends of the earth. Um, which I love this one detail in the story about the cumbersome religious bureaucracy. Paul has been through the ringer. He's on this trip. He's been shipwrecked. He's been snake bit. He finally gets to Rome. And the Roman Jews don't even know why he's there. Nobody, like, sent a letter or sent anyone. And they could have. Like, the other Christians in Rome knew why Paul was there. Like, they were ready for him. But, like, this stiff, dead religious bureaucracy never made it there. Kind of reminds me of American politics in Washington, D.C. sometimes. Some of the dead, static, slow-moving stuff that goes on there. Or the other thing it reminds me of is the Star Wars prequels. <laughs> um, if, if you've seen those movies and famil are familiar with like how the Senate and the Jedi and whatnot are shown in that, it's, this is like a tedious, like dragging structure. It's tedious and soulless. But the gospel of Jesus and the Holy Spirit is the opposite. It is limber and incendiary, and dead, religious, dead religion cannot keep up. It'll put up red tape to try to hold things up. It'll throw out unfounded accusations. It'll ignore what's going on and pretend it's not there. But the corpse of dead religion cannot keep up with the living, moving Holy Spirit. So the gospel of Jesus cannot be stopped by worldly culture. 
or by religious culture. I believe that there's one more obstacle that we see here in this passage. The gospel can't be stopped by unfinished stories. I made a big point at the beginning about the importance of endings, and that's true. Endings are important, and the ending here has all these thematic links, and it's this great final statement on a thematic level. But on a plot level, Acts ends actually pretty abruptly. He goes to Rome, he meets the Roman Jews, uh, he spends two years under house arrest, and then what? I, we have these different accounts about Paul eventually being executed, these different thoughts about maybe he was set free and then later executed. But if you're just looking at the book of Acts, that's unresolved. That plot line, that plot of Paul versus the Jewish leaders versus Rome is never wrapped up. The people on the internet, on YouTube and Twitter, who argue about Star Wars would not be happy about this ending. <laughs> if, you, if YouTube existed back then, you'd have all these uh, 17 unanswered questions in the book of Acts. Why the book of Acts is an absolute cinematic disaster and failure. <laughs> but to ancient readers of the day, that kind of unresolved plot line would not have been quite as grating. Like, that wouldn't have been as big of a deal. Historians, like, would end their historical accounts abruptly all the time. Speeches, as we have them recorded, were more likely to have a final closing statement. But even speeches, as we have them recorded, would sometimes just end on a sudden note uh, without some closing thought because they wanted to keep the thing that they had just said. They are like, that's good. I want to leave you with that. In fact, I saw in my research that in this era, there was this one rhetorical essay someone wrote where he literally said at the end, he had other points he could have made, but he just stopped because he lost interest. He got bored. He was like, all right, I've, I've hit everything I needed to hit. Like, I could say more, but I'm good. You're good. We're done. Which I'm sure we have all felt that way in uh, sermons here and there. Like, all right, you, you made your point. You, you can stop. <laughs> Hopefully you don't feel that way this morning. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, because the Bible, the book of Acts, Luke wrote it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we can be pretty sure that Luke did not stop writing because he lost interest and got bored. So what's the point? What narrative point? Like if he's doing this rhetorical device of ending suddenly so that something rings with you, what is he saying? I think his point is to say that the end of the book is not the end of the story. The continuing church today is the continuation of this story. Um, the mission from Jesus that he gave at the beginning of the book to be witnesses to the ends of the earth is not finished, and we are invited, as we read this, to continue the mission. Um, there's this one like Christian group I used to pay attention to. I don't even know if they still exist. I stopped following them. But I loved their name, uh, Acts 29. They call themselves that because they believe that their work was a continuation 
the next chapter in the book of Acts, continuing the work. And I think that that's the point Luke wanted to make. It wasn't about what happened to Paul. The story of Acts started before Paul, and it'll continue after Paul. The point is Jesus' work and his mission. And it ends suddenly because it's not over. We're still in it today. Um, could one of the musicians come back up? Um, I love this, the way that it ends on this sort of unresolved note, this sort of ringing thought. It brings a lot of hope and comfort to me because in my own life, I, I find that my life is filled with a lot of cliffhangers. There's not like this nice, neat, uh, and they lived happily ever after, like finale. Like there's all these, like I, going into 2020, as a 31-year-old, I still can't fully answer the question, what are you going to do when you grow up? I don't know what my life will look like a year, two years, five years from now. I don't know. I still have just as many, if not more, unanswered questions as I had when I was 21. I still have all these unfinished battles. But on my best days, I still have peace in the midst of this because it's okay. I'm not worried because my story is not finished, which isn't even my story to begin with. It's God's story, and it's not finished. At least on the mission level, it's not finished. And I can have hope and faith in this because the mission's not finished, but on the cross, it was finished. The mission is not done. My life is not done. What God has for me is not done. It continues. But Jesus, who was crucified, buried, resurrected, and ascended, said it is finished. It is done. The Lord in the blood of Jesus has completed it. So I have this faith that even though my story is unfinished, like the book of Acts here, it's fine. God is still working. And you, this morning, can have that same peace. Even if you are stuck in what feels like a losing battle against worldly culture, even if you, like in the book of Acts, you're caught in the same ongoing story of the world and the culture hating you because you declare the name of Jesus and you face opposition from the godless world out there. The story is not yet over. The gospel cannot be stopped by that and God's work in your life cannot be stopped by that opposition. Or even if you are in a lose, what feels like a losing battle against the chains of a dead religious system weighing you down, that cannot stop God's work in you. It will continue. In fact, the very outside oppression against you and the very religious structures against you, all these systems will further the gospel and further God's work in your life. It will not end it. It will continue it. And even if you are stuck in an unfinished story, you cannot resolve. It's okay because 
we follow a Jesus who is the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the one who will finish the story, who will weave it together, weave the tapestry. He's the one who is working so we can have faith and trust in him. The literal last word of Acts, final point, is unhindered, without hindrance. And this is the note that rings out when we read this book. Because the central character was never Paul, and it was never Timothy, it was never any of us. It was never Joel or Steve. It was was not St. Peter back there. The central character is Jesus. And if we learn anything in Acts, what we should learn is that the gospel of Jesus cannot be stopped. So as we go into 2020, as we go into the next series and the next thing and the next thing, the gospel of Jesus cannot be stopped.